when, when we go to a restaurant, right, and we sit down to eat, like this is a nice restaurant, all right? I'm not talking about, you know, fast food. I'm talking about sitting down at a restaurant, right? Um, when you come in and you sit down at a restaurant, you order your drinks, what do they bring out next? What? Oh, bread. They bring out the bread, right? You come in, you sit down at a restaurant, order your drinks. The next thing that a sit-down restaurant does, right? Like, uh, let's uh, use Red Lobster as an example. Uh, seafood is not the greatest in the world, but those cheddar biscuits. I know people that go to Red Lobster just to eat the biscuits, all right? So, um, Yes, when you sit down at a restaurant, they bring out the bread, right? It's the precursor to the meal. Um, why do they bring out bread at restaurants? Um, I tried to like do some research on this, and there's all kinds of stuff out there about that. Like, There's all this historical stuff about it's a, a sign of goodwill, and it's a sign of hospitality, and, and agriculturally speaking, bread is like the staple in almost every you know, national diet and so on and so forth. But the real deal, I think, here in America is they just want you to get full so that they don't have to put out as much meat on the table, okay? And... Uh, so, so they bring out the bread as a precursor to the meal. I want to talk to you this morning about God's provision for his people. We're talking about generosity. Last week we talked about how to steward an inheritance well because we serve a good God and we believe in that, right? And, uh, and so this morning I just want to, I want to unpack a few scriptures with you that specifically look at the story of God's provision. I'm going to share several scriptures, and and I'm going to encourage you to go and dig through these on your own, because I'm not going to have time to unpack every single passage the way that I would like, but um, that's why we all have Bibles in America, praise God, for you version on your phone, and uh, that we still have paper, right? So I want to encourage you this week, the passages that we're unpacking, uh, look at them, dig into them deeply, okay? This is a story of God's provision for his people. Who are his people? Yes, raise your hand, right? If you're his people, that is all of us. We are his people, amen? This is a story. This is a story of God's provision for his people. So in Exodus, we're in Exodus chapter 16. Let's look at this really quickly. Just to give you some, some back matter, in Exodus, um, the Lord parted the Red Sea and the people of Israel walked through on dry ground, which I think is awesome that we sang a song about breakthrough and the Lord parting the oceans. Um, so that's uh, from the Lord, right? And, uh, and so the people of Israel cross through the Red Sea and they are hanging out in, depending on what version you are reading, they are either hanging out in the wilderness or they are hanging out in the desert. Uh, basically meaning the exact same thing. Okay, and they've been wandering around in the desert heading toward Mount Sinai for about a month. Okay, they didn't pack food for a month. Okay, they didn't pack water for a month. If you go back and read through the Exodus account, the Lord told them to pack light. 
Okay, so the people of Israel have been walking around for a month with limited water and hardly any food. Okay, so this is where we pick up in the story. In Exodus chapter 16, let's look at verse 3 together. It says, And the people of Israel said to Moses and Aaron, I wish that we would have died by the hand of the Lord. Or it says, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you, Moses and Aaron, you guys have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this entire assembly with hunger. You've brought us all out here, God. Here we are in the middle of the desert. We're in the middle of the wilderness. I wish we could be in Egypt where we used to sit by meat pots. I have no idea what a meat pot is, but it doesn't sound like something that I actually want to be beside. Um, But maybe it was good, all right? We sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. In this story, Israel was heading toward the promised land. They were heading toward complete and total freedom, a place where God had promised that he would provide every single thing that they needed. And they're in between Egypt and the promised land, and it stinks. It's not fun. They're in between. And it says, I wish that we would have gone back to Egypt where at least we had food. And as I was looking at that, I was looking and thinking about how many times we are okay with being enslaved if it's comfortable. We're okay with being enslaved in comfort over looking to God for provision in the desert, in the wilderness. I don't know if this rings true to you, but in my life, that's been one of the stories that I've had to push through, that I've had to wait on, that I've had to let, lean into the Lord for, because sometimes being enslaved feels right because you've been that way for far too long. The people of Egypt, or the people of Israel, had been enslaved in Egypt for generations. That means that some of their children were born into slavery and they grew up slaves, and so they did not know any different. They didn't know what it felt like to be free. Some of us in this room are carrying generational burdens of addictions and brokenness and all of these kind of things that aren't your fault. They were started by your dad or your mom and your dad's dad and your mom's mom and so on and so forth, and you grew up enslaved to it. Whether that's a spirit of religion, whether that's a spirit of addiction, whatever it is, you have agreed with that spirit simply because you grew up in it. And sometimes when the Lord leans in and says, hey, you want to be free from that? You go, ah, I kind of like being in the provision. I kind of like just being, being okay with where I'm at. Because when your marriage starts getting tough, your finances start getting a little wobbly, when you start trying to dig out of debt, right, and all of a sudden you start spending all your money toward, toward paying down debt instead of going to the movies and buying coffee and doing all those kind of things, all of a sudden there's this like tightness 
of the finances and all those things, and they, it starts getting a little wobbly, and you actually are moving toward promise. You're moving toward freedom, but it feels uncomfortable because you've been enslaved for so long. And that's where the people of Israel are. They're in between. They're in between the desert and the promise. They're in, or excuse me, they're in between in slavery and promise. Some of you in this room are in between. Right now, you're in between something that you were enslaved from and receiving a promise. You're always free because of Jesus Christ, praise the Lord, all right? But, but understand that some of us in this room are, are um, enslaved and we feel okay with it. The Lord wants you to know this morning that the wilderness is not the end. The desert season is not the end. In fact, in the Lord, there is no such thing as a dry season. Did you know that? You might feel like you're dry, but guess what? In the Lord, he's a never-ending will. Holy Spirit is a spring that doesn't stop. Fast forward to the New Testament, you see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman saying, I'll give you water forever. I'll give you water that lasts forever. So understand that in the kingdom, there is no such thing as a dry season, even though you feel that way. This is one of those moments where our feelings have to be pushed down and our, our will, our spirit, has to rise up and connect with the Holy Spirit of God. If you're enslaved this morning, that's, how, that's one of those ways in stepping toward freedom. Whatever it is, whether it's addiction, debt, whatever, it's saying, I don't want to go with what I feel. Holy Spirit, I need to connect my spirit to you, and you provide a way out. You give me the provision. You give me the provision. It goes on in verse four. He says this, look at this. Then the Lord said to Moses, he said, behold, I'm gonna rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out and they'll gather a day's portion every day that I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. God says, hey, Moses, hey, Aaron, go tell the people I'm gonna make it rain bread. I'm going to make it rain bread. That's what you need. You need provision, so I'm going to provide. God promises to provide. He promises to sustain. He promises that he will cover, get this, what they need for the day. What they need for the day. Not what they need for the tomorrow or for the week or for the month, but what they need for the day. See, this challenges the thought processes of the people of Israel. Because in this day, they were an agricultural society. They were primarily driven by this bread-based culture. And on top of that, they had just become nomadic. They had just signed up to leave one place of Egypt where they had homes and they could hang out and store their stuff to, hey guys, take a knapsack and get walking. So they had signed up to be nomadic and they were agricultural in their mindset. And and agriculture mindset means when you see a tree that's got fruit on it, you get all the fruit because it's gonna provide more fruit down the road, but you get the fruit. When you see something that's bearing fruit, you take it. The Lord says, take what you need. I'm gonna provide for everybody, but take what you need. And when I do this, and when you do this, we're gonna partner We're going to try this out. That's what it says when it says the Lord said he was going to test them. That's basically what that means is we're going to try this out. We're going to kind of put some training wheels on it and push it down the road. See, what they don't know is that Mount Sinai is coming, which is where they receive the law. 
So he's trying them out. You see, God always comes through. Every single time, he always comes through. He's an on-time God. The catch is, is that he always gives us a opportunity to reciprocate when he comes through for us. That's the, the protection and the provision and the blessing of free will. Every single one of us has a free will choice in this room. And God always comes through for us and he always provides an opportunity for us to reciprocate. Because free will is that important. He wants us to choose him. He wants us, even in the middle of a broken world, free will is what Jesus died to protect in us. He died to protect the fact that we get to make a choice for Jesus Christ. And that's what part of God's story is for us today is that we make choices that in the future or in the present now might be difficult so that we can see his provision tomorrow so that we can see his provision the next day and the next day so that goes on and it goes on it teaches us reliance and it teaches us submission so fast forward a little bit in the story the people of Israel go to bed they get up the next morning It's in verse 15. If you want to look there, you don't have to. It won't be on the screen. But they wake up and there's all this stuff on the ground. And they go, what is that? And they don't know what it is. Moses says it's bread from heaven. It's your provision. They literally name it manna, which means I don't know what this is. (laughs) I love that. It's one of my favorite words. I have no clue what this is. When God's bread came from heaven, they did not know what it was. They did not recognize immediately the provision that the Lord had given them. They didn't see it immediately. You see, sometimes I think in our lives, the Lord is providing, and we're just not seeing it. I think sometimes he's promising that the provision is there. And we get up in the morning and we look out and we go, well, what is this? And Holy Spirit is saying, that's my provision. But we just don't receive it that way. That reminds me of another story. Another story in scripture where bread and provision came and it wasn't immediately recognized. If you you got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6. This story in the Old Testament, see, I love, like, when you read God's goodness into every passage, and when you read the story of the new covenant that Jesus came to set us free and empower us with the Holy Spirit into every passage, they all interconnect. They all intertwine. And so so look at this with me. Turn to John chapter 6. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples in a group of people, and he has a conversation about bread particularly a conversation about the manna that God brought them. Just to kind of catch you up in the story, Jesus just fed 5,000 people in John chapter 6. He just fed them with five loaves and two fishes. There was at least 10,000 people there because they only counted the men in this culture. And it says that the people went out to the countryside because they saw that Jesus Christ was doing signs and wonders. 
So they go out to see God do signs and wonders, and then they get fed with bread. They wake up the next morning, and Jesus is gone. He's made his way back across the lake. By the way, in that story, he walked on water. How stinking cool is that, right? He walked on water back across to a town called Capernaum, and he's hanging out in Capernaum. And the people go, well, where is he? Let's go find him. And they come to Capernaum, and they say, Jesus, we've been waiting on you. Where did you go? And Jesus says, you came over here because you got fed last night. In the natural. You came over there looking for a sign, but now that you've been fed, you're coming to me looking for bread. Looking for natural sustenance. And they say, yeah, that's what we're doing. And Jesus says, you guys need a greater sign than this. In fact, I'm the sign. I'm the sign. He says, look at it with me in John 6. John 6, 33. Jesus is talking to the people. He said, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They're still thinking that he's meaning in the natural. And so they say, okay, give us some of this bread. We'll take some of this bread always. I want bread that gives me continual life. Give me some of that bread, God. And Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, Jesus is calling himself the sign. Although he had done other signs, he says, I'm the sign. I am the bread. I am from God. You guys have to understand this, that I am the bread. The manna that they provided, that God provided in the Old Testament, I am a manifestation of that provision in the New Testament. My body and my blood sets you free. My sacrifice sets you free. The people are looking for their physical needs to be met. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Fix your eyes on the kingdom. Fix your eyes on something greater. In Matthew 6, he said, seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. You see, I think sometimes we get so inundated by the trouble that we continually see in our face that we forget to take a step back and see what the Lord is doing. The natural is in our face. The cancers, the death, the struggles, the job loss, all of those kind of things are in our face and we we forget to step back and go, okay, God, whoa, 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 I need to watch you. I need to watch you. I don't, want to get, I don't want to get confronted too, too much. I don't want to look at this in the face because when I look at the struggle in the face, I'm agreeing with that struggle. I'm saying that struggle is greater than you. I need to back up and realize this is a small little blip on the screen in the whole of the kingdom of God. And when I look back, then I get some perspective and I can breathe. You see, one of the problems that the church Me, probably some of you in this room have operated in for far too long is an orphaned poverty mentality. It's an orphaned poverty mentality. And here's the concept. You ready for this? 
It's that God only has a certain amount of provision. He's only got a certain amount. And because he only has a certain amount, you better get while the getting's good. You better take what you can get and hang on to it and store it up. The reason why Jesus connected this to the story of manna is he wants us to understand that what he gives to us, it is designed to sustain us for the present and to trust him for tomorrow. To trust him for tomorrow. This is the manna that we've been given today. That his kingdom will sustain us day by day by day. You might have a huge debt on your shoulders. You might have a broken marriage that looks like it's never going to get fixed. You might be facing one of the worst diseases you've ever seen. Don't look at five years from now. Look at today. And God promises to sustain you today. Everything that you need is at your fingertips to walk confidently right now. And if you do that, then when you wake up tomorrow, there's manna (laughs) on the ground again. Because the Lord says, I'll provide for you today too. And then you wake up tomorrow and guess what? There's manna on the ground. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he's provided manna every single day. Just a quick little snippet. I shared this about a year and something ago. The Lord showed me that um, the word bread in Hebrew is lehem. The word God's house is Beth. Beth lehem. Where did Jesus come from? God's bread factory, baby. (laughs) It's a never-ending bread factory. It's a never-ending production of unlimited resources in the kingdom. And we run around thinking that there's like, there's like only one pizza and you gotta get all the slices, right? And when that pizza's gone, that's it. No, no, no. God owns the bread factory that makes the pizzas and they don't stop. Last passage. Because this is where the Lord dropped a bomb on me this week. Jesus connects himself to this story of manna in Exodus 16 for a reason. He says, I'm the life. I'm the sustenance. I will provide. My sacrifice will set you free from your sin. And here's why. Look with me in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus goes out to the wilderness, motivated by the Spirit. Once again, our story started in the wilderness. It's coming back to the wilderness. Jesus himself goes out into the wilderness, compelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. The empowering of the Spirit sent him to the wilderness. Don't ever think that just because you're being led by the Holy Spirit, that like you're going to be walking into like good season, like hitting home runs every single day. Sometimes you're going to be in the wilderness. But his provision is there too. His provision is there too. Jesus is in the wilderness and he is being tempted to look at his flesh. 
the enemy is saying, hey, you got the power. You can turn these stones into bread. You've got the power. Turn the stones into bread. Physically, you're hurting right now. Fleshly, you're hurting right now. Why don't you just turn the the stones into bread? Look at the problem at hand. Right now, your marriage is falling apart. Right now, there's cancer in the room. Right now, you're struggling because of the loss of a job. Just look at this right here. Just look at my hand. Look at, put the problem in front of you. Get hopeless. <laughs> That's what the enemy's wanting to say. And you know what Jesus said? He quotes a verse that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 8 where Moses was reminding the people of Israel about God's provision in the wilderness. God's provision in the desert season. And he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now this is where my mind got blown. Jesus is the bread. Jesus became the manna for us. His blood covers every sin every struggle, the moment you said yes to him until you walk into eternity with the Lord. Every day. Past, present, future sin, past, present struggle, he's provided a way for that. Jesus is the bread. He's the manna from heaven that God provided that was broken for us to set us free. Now, There's a two-part thing in this. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. Now hear me. I'm not trying to add to our salvation here. Okay? I'm not trying to say that you got to have Jesus and something else to get into heaven. What I'm saying is, God provided the bread for us to eat, but Jesus was the pre-course to the main meal. When we sat down at the table of the Father and we ordered our drinks, the Lord brought the bread out first. And he said, this is Jesus. This is his body broken for you. Eat it and drink it. Now, if you want to live in poverty, you can be content with the bread because Jesus sets us free to do that. His body broken for us, covered us more than enough to get into community with him in heaven. But if you wanna eat from the table of God, you have to eat from every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. We don't live on bread alone. We can eat at the banquet table of the Father by every word that comes out of his mouth. The word in Greek, that word is rhema. It literally means God's spoken voice to you. God's spoken voice. Jesus was saying, I don't live on the sacrifice alone. I don't live on this alone. I live on the very words that come out of the mouth of God. 
You see, I think what's happened in our culture is this right here. We take all of the stuff in the Bible and we look at the miracles and we look at the provision and we look at all of the great things that God did, historically speaking, and we say, this is the roof. This is the ceiling. And I'm probably never going to get up to that until I die and go into heaven. The only problem with that is when Jesus prayed with his disciples and he taught them to pray, he said, I want to bring heaven to earth. What if we stopped looking at scripture like it was the roof, like the miracles and the provision and all of the amazing things that God did was the the ceiling and that's what I want to live up to? What if we started to approach it like God's provision in scripture actually provides the foundation for what we get to build. We don't live on bread alone. This is the bread. Jesus' sacrifice is the bread. We can actually live from the words that come out of God's mouth today. Now don't hang me, but I'm, and I'm not desecrating my word, but this is what he's wanting. We get to build from the foundation of Scripture up. Scripture always affirms what the Lord wants to do in us. He always affirms what He is doing. He's never going to go contrary to His Word, okay? I'm not trying to divert. We're not going left or right. We're staying on the, on the, the plumb line of Scripture. But understand that what He is going to do in this community is going to be greater than, is going to be more than what we see in Scripture. Because we don't live on bread alone but we live off the rhema word of God. We live off of what he tells you today. That's the reason why Bradley got up here and said, I feel like there's breakthrough in the room. You know why? Because the Lord told him that. Holy Spirit is still speaking today. That's how Jesus did what he did in scripture. And that's how we're gonna operate as a community, as a family, as a body of believers. We're not living on bread alone. If you want to, that's fine but we want to live out of every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. And so what that means is that for you today, Holy Spirit has a word for you. Maybe it's your breakthrough. Maybe it's freedom from something. I I don't know. But he has a word for you. Maybe it's for you to go say something to somebody else or to restore a relationship or I don't know what. But he has a word for you. 